that you would convict us and you would tell us what we need to return to you, God. Be in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> I invite you to buy, find a Bible and open to Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. If you're using a pew Bible, it's on page 737. We were away last week um, for a wedding in Fairhope. We also went to the beach for just a couple days. And um, I just encourage you to do that if you ever get the chance. Uh, it was just such a wonderful time to be together with my family and kind of get some rest and relaxation. There's something about salt water that's, that's really good for you, I think. So, anyways, we come back refreshed. But I also, well, you know, I was faithful to stream while I was out of town. And I was um, just so encouraged. Um, a lot of young ministers led worship last week. Mark did a great job preaching. Um, Micaiah did a good job leading the music in both services. Joel did a wonderful children's sermon. A man of many talents. And uh, so I was just so hopeful to be away and just see how good and how faithful they were in their ministry roles. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 13. Luke records, someone in the crowd said to him, speaking of Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How would your life fundamentally change if you won the lottery tomorrow? I don't know how many millions or billions different lotteries are at this point, but if you were to, you know, drive into the gas station when you get across the Georgia line, it's like, ah, oh, you know, it's a dollar or five or whatever, and you got a lottery ticket and you actually hit it, how would your life fundamentally change? could be that you have a business deal and you come into a huge windfall could be that a lot of stock that you own goes up in value, and then overnight you're like, whoa, I got a lot of money now. It doesn't have to be the lottery, but just some increase in finances to a great degree, how would your life fundamentally be different? Now, most of us have at least thought about or done the fundamental exercise to say, what would I do? And some of you are so gracious, we've had this conversation, and you say, don't worry, I'll tithe on it, I promise. To which I would say thank you. But 
we, we, we do think, well, what would I buy? You know, maybe I'd get a, a bigger house or another house, or maybe I would fix all the things that I've meant to fix at my current house, or maybe I would um, finally get rid of that old car I hate and get a new car, or maybe I would, whatever your possession or thing is, maybe you would take a trip. Maybe you would go see every Major League Baseball park in one summer, just because you could, you know? I, I don't know what you would do, but chances are you've kind of dreamt that dream. You've kind of thought about what would I do. Here's the thing that I think would most fundamentally change if you came into a huge amount of money. More than what you would buy, more than where you would go, you would at least have this sense of peace now that materially speaking, I have everything that I need. And some of us might, our first move might be to the computer to write that letter of resignation. Uh, Dear employer, I will no longer be here because I have ample goods stored up and I'm fine. I I don't need to work. I don't need to labor under the kind of questions of will I have enough. And, and I'm a person who wrestles with these questions alongside you. I have three children. One of them is 13. I, I can see him driving in the distance, not as far away as it used to be. It's somewhat terrifying for lots of levels that all the current eighth grade boys within a couple of years are going to be driving to church. So I'll make sure that you know before it happens so you can prepare accordingly. But like that's going to cost money and, and insurance. And then I have two daughters. Like, Lord, help me, right? who I hope I get to live to see them get married. That's not going to be inexpensive. I hope they go to college. I, you know, you can enter into all of these things in your mind, and you're like, how would I ever, how would I ever have enough money? Start checking your bank account. Start checking your retirement account. Start following really closely what the market's going to do. Here's the thing. If you want to be filled with a lot of anxiety and fear, Follow the market really closely. I feel like that's a really great way to be filled with a lot of anxiety and fear because there's always like some unknown thing that's coming down the pipe, right? This could happen or that could happen. And, and all of us ultimately look to our stuff for some sense of security that we're going to be okay. That maybe if we just had this much, then we could relax and we could eat and drink and be merry. Jesus tells this parable in the context of a dispute over an inheritance. I joked with a good friend of mine this week that one thing that I can be confident of with my children is that they don't have to fight over their inheritance. If anything, they're going to be like passing the debt. Like, no, it's yours. But he was, it was funny to say, like, it really doesn't even matter how much it is. People will fight over any little bit of amount of stuff. And these two brothers were um, in this situation, and one brother says to Jesus, like, tell him, tell him to come off with it. Tell him to give me my portion. And maybe he's the older brother. Maybe he had two-thirds, and he was only going to get a third. And he was like, tell that older brother to give me my share. And Jesus responds, and he says, hey, listen, none of my business, ultimately. I'm not a judge. I'm not an arbitrator in this dispute. But what I will say to you as you're getting ready to fight, be careful. Be on your guard. Watch out. Don't be given toward greed and covetousness, this insatiable desire, this kind of fallacy that there is enough, that I could 
finally get or have that would set me free from worry? And he says, because your life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And possessions are, are funny things from just even when you're young. For those of you who are more mature like me, when you think back to when you were a kid, it's easy for you to see your value in your stuff, right? That's why kids, when they get ready to go back to junior high, they have to have the right shorts, not just any shorts. Like, there's a possession that then kind of gives you a sense of value and belonging, and I'm kind of in that. And it never really goes away when you get older. And you can think that your security and your safety and your peace of mind reside in the abundance of your possessions. And Jesus says, be careful against covetousness. Be careful against thinking that you're ever going to have enough to make your life secure. Because at the end of the day, your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Everybody in this room, everybody in the greater Birmingham area, um, nobody's life is more safe and secure based on what they have. You and I could talk about all kinds of illustrations of this. People who were incredibly wealthy who had a heart attack and passed away, or people who were incredibly poor and passed away at the same condition. But at the end of the day, they can't ensure that that's not going to happen to them no matter what they have, but stuff has a way of making us think we're more secure than we really are. And so Jesus takes this opportunity to tell a story about a rich guy. Now, I think it's important to note that the person, even when the parable begins, he's already materially wealthy, okay? He's, he's, he's rich as it is now. And when you're talking about money to a congregation, here's the thing. I'm most ultimately this morning concerned about my heart. I can't ultimately um, dictate or be concerned about your heart. Um, this is a, it's a difficult thing to wrestle with in my own life, but I invite you into the struggle. He says, there's a rich man. I count myself rich. By the standard of the world, I'm, I'm really, really, really wealthy. When, when Mary talks about backpack buddies over here, and she holds up the bag of food, it's like none of my kids are worried about what they're going to eat on the weekend. Feeling they're just going to fight about what we go eat on the weekend, and then I go on my dad rant. Anyways, like I'm, I'm, I'm a rich person. He says a rich person had this plentiful crop. This unexpected bumper crop, okay? And so then he said, what am I going to do with all these crops? And as I read it, I was journaling about the passage. I was like, did he think about giving it away? Did he think about, like, seeing the poor people in the land, like, here, have more, or throwing a party for everybody? Or his initial reaction is not to give it or use it for others. What's his initial reaction? He looks at his barn. He says, well, this barn can't hold all this stuff. So I know what I'll do. I'll tear down this barn. I'll build a bigger barn. And then I can fit everything in. Wonderful idea. And then what does he say to himself? Here's, here's the revealing heart motivation. Then I'll say to myself, soul, relax, eat, drink, be merry, because you have ample stuff stored up. You're good now. He thought he had reached this point of having 
ample stuff. And then Jesus, here's the twist in the parable. God says to him, you what? You fool. Um, You're going to die tonight. And all that effort and all that time and all that energy building that bigger barn and storing all that stuff over there, um, it can't help you. And ultimately, who's going to get all of it anyway? Could be that your kids are going to fight over it, right? And he tells this parable to, to us to try to help us see past the seemingly permanence of stuff and for us to get to a point where we think we're secure in and of ourselves because we have a lot of stuff. He says, don't, don't put your heart, don't put your trust in those things because ultimately your life doesn't consist of those things. Ultimately, every person in the sanctuary our lives are in the hands of God. I remember learning that in a really poignant way when I was in seminary. I started taking a couple of night classes in Bowling Springs, North Carolina at Gardner-Webb. And one of my favorite teachers up there, Dan Goodman, tall, slender, great-looking guy, thought he was as healthy as anybody could ever be, taught the New Testament like nobody's business. I mean, I've, ugh. I love going to that guy's class. And it wasn't long after I left the seminary that we found out that he died. He just dropped dead in his home. And Jesus is so graciously trying to wake us up to the reality that we, we kind of know this, don't we? We kind of know it, but we live in this kind of fake world where we, we act like it's not a reality. And so Jesus says, don't, don't be that way. Um, because if you're a person who lays up treasure for yourself, but you're not rich toward God, ultimately you're impoverished. And nobody really knows each other's situation in this regard. It's much like Dan Goodman. Like, to look at him on the outside, I thought, guy's going to live till he's 109. He's going to be teaching the New Testament forever. And much like physical health, you know, if I was some big honking strong guy and got up here and I, you know, abs of steel and the whole deal, you're like, he's a healthy guy. But my heart might be a wreck, right? Same for you. Outwardly speaking, you may have it all together, but your heart might be totally out of sorts as it relates to God and his purposes in your life. So what does it take to get to a a healthier place? I'm going to read what Jesus says after this, starting in verse 22. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Your life is more than an abundance of possessions. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, And yet God feeds them. I think it's so interesting how Jesus uses that imagery of a barn again. Um, They can't build bigger barns. They have to be dependent upon the Lord. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? So you can't, in your own power, add any more days to your life. 
you can't do that, then why are you anxious about everything else? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. Now, I want you to do a little thought experiment in your mind. Think about in the last month how much time you've spent thinking about your financial position. How many times you check the app on your phone or your retirement or whatever. And then I want you to think about how much time you've spent thinking about God's kingdom and his plans and purposes coming to pass in your life and the life of others. And I have to tell you, even as a pastor, I was up back and thinking, I'm not thinking about the kingdom enough. I'm also distracted by all the things that you're distracted by if I'm not careful. But Jesus says, instead of seeking after all the stuff that can't keep you alive longer and won't make any more meaning to your life, instead of seeking after those things, trust that God loves you. Trust that God's going to provide for you. And let your focus be on the kingdom of God coming on earth, even as it is in heaven, more than all the stuff. Fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, ultimately, it's a matter of your heart. And where you think your lasting treasure is, your heart can't help but get wrapped up in that stuff. And Jesus says, rather than letting your heart get wrapped up in things that are here today and are gone tomorrow, um, why not trust God? He loves you and he's going to provide for you and obsess way more over God's kingdom than you do over your bank account. And, and the Lord, over time, frees your, your heart from that and you become more kingdom-minded. And then you're freed up to steward what God's entrusted to you for his purposes in the world. The Spawns currently have a moth problem in our garage. The bad news is there's no real good way to get rid of them. Toxic chemicals, which may kill you, right? So we're trying different approaches. But it's really a helpful thing for me currently as I'm preaching through the parables. When I walk in my garage and I see them little critters, right, flying around. All this stuff. What if they ate everything in the garage? Who cares? Right? Just stuff. And then ultimately... I, I share this with you as your pastor, with, with pastoral concern for you and for myself. The Beeson faculty recently met here where I went to seminary here in Birmingham, and I spoke to them and greeted them, and one of the ladies came up to me. She was like, oh, we're so happy and glad you're the pastor here. That's a big responsibility. And I was like, ugh. 
You're right. It's like people's souls. So I share this parable with you um, again as, as one rich person speaking to a bunch of other people who are by the world standards rich um, and asking that the Lord would help us see this as a word of grace and kindness and mercy and love and that he's trying to ultimately prepare us and when we pass from this life into the next life that we do so not grasping our stuff and hanging on um, but instead receiving the treasure and the kingdom that we've stored up over the course of our life. I invite you to pray with me. God, we thank you so much for the gift of this day. We thank you for your kindness to us in your word, that you are gracious enough to, to speak to us, to, to remind us and comfort us that you are a good and gracious God and that you do love us and that you will provide for us. And we pray that you would free us from anxiety, that you would free us from fear, that you would free us from idolatry, and Lord, that we would respond to the good news of all that you've done for us in Jesus, and that we would leverage our very lives for your kingdom purposes. Help us to be more obsessed about your kingdom coming than we are about the stuff that we're accumulating, and help us to trust our lives to you. We offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Um, once a month in both our traditional